0: Welcome to Red Pepper Nutrition's podcast. This podcast aims to spread the message that rehabilitation matters and nutrition is the foundation of health. I'm Sean Riley, a registered dietitian based in the northwest of England. I specialise in optimising nutrition after a head or traumatic injury, focused on improving health, equality, and choice for all. It's about feeding quality of life and enjoying the food we eat. Let us know you are listening by following us on Twitter. Search for Sean at Red Pepper Nutrition and find out more at our website redpeppernutrition.com. So I'm really pleased to welcome Elaine Anderson to our podcast today, Um, and she'll be talking about long COVID and her experience of long COVID as a dietitian. Welcome Elaine.
1: Thanks, Shan. I'm really, really pleased to be here so I can share my story. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's a a doubly exciting podcast today. As well as welcoming Elaine to the podcast, we are also welcoming her to Red Pepper Nutrition's team as an associate dietitian. So a huge
1: welcome to Red Pepper Nutrition, Elaine. Thanks very much. I'm really excited to be working with you. Um, Yeah, and I hope we can bring something to the team. Definitely. I mean, Elaine
0: has a wealth of experience working as a dietitian in neuro rehabilitation and also in stroke rehabilitation. Elaine, could you tell us a bit about some of your career highlights so far?
1: Yeah, so I qualified in 2008 um, from the University of Ulster in Coleraine in Northern Ireland. And I um, came to Manchester uh, for my first job, which was in an acute setting. Um, I swiftly moved into a community setting where I knew that's kind of where I was best placed, I think, and moved into stroke rehabilitation job um, as there as well. So I've been in that role for about 10 years now. Um, also dealing with neuro rehab and, um, uh, you know, general um, patients as well. Also have done six years as the lead dietitian in a hospice where we actually did see quite a lot of neuro rehab patients as well so yeah that's kind of my career to date in a nutshell I'm also doing um, freelance work as well I'm um, seeing patients one to one online and workplace wellbeing as well
0: brilliant and we'll uh, talk a bit more about that later um, so obviously Manchester is, uh, has held you here for a while
1: then. it has yes <laughs> I met my husband here and um, yeah, I'm very much settled here. Um, it's been hard because obviously I haven't been able to get home back to Ireland as uh, as often as I would have done this last year. But hopefully that'll change soon with things changing. And yeah, Manchester, um, it's a wonderful place to live. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good <laughs> glad <you> feel, so <laughs> So yeah it's obviously been a really uh tough year for everyone with covid um but you've had a, a particularly uh, tough time of it yourself uh could you just tell us a bit about your experience of covid in 2020
1: yes so i caught covid pretty early on back in in april so nearly a year ago now and I suppose at the time, like many of us, we knew that, it, it, you know, COVID wasn't good for people maybe of the older generation or who were immunocompromised. And like many myself, I, you know, I thought, oh, well, I'm young and fit, so hopefully it'll just be like the flu if I do get it. And I did. Um, and my first few weeks were the typical symptoms. So um, I had a temperature, I had a dry cough. Um, fatigue and then I began to get quite bad headaches and sinus pain and I thought you know a couple of weeks in I was improving a little bit but then the headaches came back and I pretty much stayed for you know best part of nine months really most days I had uh, some form of a headache and they would change and they're kind of sometimes they would be shooting pain sometimes they would just be kind of like a dull ache behind my eyes and I had fatigue for uh, I would say pretty bad fatigue for about three months, and then it did start to improve, so I'm really lucky, but it's still something I have to manage, you know, if I overdo things to this date, and yeah, that was kind of the initial stages really for me so um for you and your recovery from covid mm.
0: um and then realizing that perhaps this was going to be longer, mm. were there quite a lot of occasions where it felt like you'd taken uh, three steps forward and then two steps back absolutely I uh, felt that you were perhaps getting over it and returning to normality and then just completely floored again by the headaches and the fatigue
1: yeah definitely at the beginning um and kind of after that three month point there was a few days and weeks where I thought oh I think I might be improving you know and then two or three days later I would be back to kind of not being very well and um, during the day and at points I was thinking god I might just have to you know force myself to get back to work but there was never a point where I thought no I can work you know and I think that was quite difficult at the time I think mm-hmm. once I started to get heart palpitations around the three-month mark I thought this this you know this recovery isn't normal that surely I should be better by now um, and that's when I started to kind of seek kind of help um because unfortunately the gps they were doing their best but they they really didn't know much about long covid and just kept telling me to rest and tried me with all the medications headache medications for you know migraines and things and i did see a neurologist privately i know a lot of people that might not be viable for them but i had to to try and get some Help really at that point I was kind of worried about the headaches so I saw a neurologist privately who diagnosed me with a kind of a chronic migraine which I've since learned isn't really what was happening with me and unfortunately then I had to see a cardiologist because of the palpitations and again had lots of tests including a cardiac MRI which again came up um, normal so I was reassured at that point but it's it, they couldn't explain my symptoms and that was the pretty distressing that nobody could help me really mm. at that point yeah i
0: mean the it just does sound incredibly distressing to have gone through you're almost learning as you go mm. along and everybody is all the healthcare professionals mm. all the medics are learning as you go along you your research in action mm-hmm. but that that must have really taken its toll on you mm-hmm. how how did the uh, your covid diagnosis and low, long covid affect you your quality of life um at that time
1: yeah it was it was pretty difficult because i think um around july august time you know i i was just having to sit in a dark room whilst everyone was out enjoying the beautiful weather we had last year and i think that really affected me in the sense of i i couldn't enjoy i couldn't sit out in the garden for too long because i would just feel horrendous and i know that just not being able to work and be who i was you know a busy kind of person just doing all the things that I love to do including several types of work and that was that did really affect my mental health because I thought well, is this my life now I'm, you know how, how long am I going to be like this and when am I going to be able to go back to working as a dietitian? so I would say you know a lot of people were the same um, and have been the same and still are struggling with with dealing with maybe a change to the life you know a complete change to to what they would have been doing normally and i mean our role um our job roles healthcare
0: professionals and the dietitian um that often forms a big part of our identity and nutrition and exercise is often really important to us um how how did you feel that covid um long covid affected your identity as a dietitian
1: Yeah, I I felt like I I couldn't do what I I was trained to do and I couldn't do the work. I I mean, I tried to practice what I preach and I think maybe to my detriment at the beginning because I was saying, right, I need to get out for a walk. I feel rubbish. I need to get out for a walk because I don't want to become deconditioned. And actually now we're learning that people who push themselves, particularly with exercise in the early days after COVID, they're actually having worse outcomes and having more problems and I know you know the physiotherapists are now talking about pacing and and managing that in that way and I do think maybe that did have an impact on me I I thought I know what I should be doing I need to be pushing myself but perhaps that wasn't the best thing that I, I to do really at the time.
0: Yeah, we're not great at healthcare as healthcare professionals of looking after ourselves. No, are
1: we no.
0: <laughs> used to looking after other people? Nah. So Elaine, could you tell us about your um journey with
1: long COVID and how it affected uh, your nutrition personally? So my appetite um was affected. The first few weeks in particular I, I, I struggled with eating and I survived on kind of crunching up cornflakes and I found that I needed the crunch, the texture, and I knew I just needed to eat, you know, whatever I could just to keep my energy levels up as well. I really struggled with smell and taste loss in particular. And I also had a strange um, kind of smells as well, where I thought I was smelling something, um, but I, it was like a burning toast smell, which was really strange and really affected kind of my wanting to eat. I struggled with, if I could smell some things when my husband was cooking, I struggled with kind of knowing what that was and then it kind of put me off my eating as well. And the fatigue, again, affected my nutrition because I would be sat having a meal and then I would just feel completely floored and just have to lie down and I couldn't finish a meal either. So that was quite intense as well.
0: So yeah, so you mentioned the um, smell um, changes and, and taste mm. loss which is also quite common after um, a head injury mm. as well um, and you mentioned the prosmia which is this change in smell which can be incredibly distressing. Mm. Can you just talk a bit more about the strategies that you used um, to help you with these, the smell and taste loss?
1: Yes yeah, so my husband is a really really good cook and um, so I'm really really lucky. Um, he, he we've always loved our food we're big foodies so he found it really difficult you know to see me not enjoying the food that he was cooking so he tried his best and i was giving him kind of suggestions of things to try like say for example we i had lemon chicken because i thought oh the sourness with the lemon would help me enjoy the chicken and the protein flavor and that was really helpful ginger we've always had ginger but he was adding like copious amounts of ginger cuz even at times i was feeling sickly sometimes whilst having my meals and um, so that was helpful as well different types of textures i've already mentioned you know having cereals and things particularly when i wasn't able to eat much at all and we looked at kind of like sweet and sour dishes as well which was quite helpful and then the spices and just making sure there was plenty of seasoning like pepper as well. Try to avoid the salt because, you know, at the time, you know, and, and normally salt isn't really good for us. So I didn't really add too much salt. Yeah. But I also, you know, was following advice that I would have given to patients over the years um, about kind of keeping my teeth nice and clean and fresh. So brush my teeth maybe a couple of more times in the day than I would do normally just to get rid of any kind of not so nice tastes or flavours that I had from from previous meals and then just different different um, temperatures as well so trying like colder food hot foods but really I felt that kind of just a room temperature so things like sandwiches I coped with a lot better as well than the hot foods
0: yeah Yeah, yes it's using all your senses really in the the, um, uh, eating experience isn't it when you've lost uh, this uh, your sense mm. of smell. Can you tell me um, how else having long COVID can impact on nutrition, uh, perhaps for yourself and other people? Yeah,
1: so I've been following a lot of um, the support groups on Facebook and, and just kind of reading people's experiences and how their, their long COVID has impacted on their nutrition and you know obviously that this there's an array of symptoms there's there's so many and and most of them probably do impact on our nutrition so things like breathing problems being short of breath I I mean I've experienced that myself during during meals where I would just suddenly become breathless and that would really put me off eating because I felt like that it was brought on by the eating and from a preparation like preparing food as well if, if you're short of breath and fatigued then it's going to be pretty difficult if you're trying to prepare and and cook food for yourself and people having sleep problems which has a big impact on our appetite you know the following day pain can have huge impact on on our on our nutrition as well and then there's been a lot of reports of gastro issues like nausea you know diarrhea and other good issues which again you know will always have a big impact on what we choose to eat and how much we can eat and when we can eat as well so I think it's a huge area in long COVID that we really need to raise awareness of.
0: And has, has, the, uh, has this time for you opened your eyes about the practicalities of achieving good nutrition after illness? We kind of know what we should do but when we're in the thick of it, it's it's not so easy. No. So,
1: and, you know, I'm so lucky I, I did have somebody helping me, my husband. And um, I did often think about what would I have done without him? Because there was times where I knew I couldn't stand and prepare food. And what would I have done? And, you know, when giving advice to people before, to my patients, you know, we talk about things like ready meals, you know, okay, some people would say they're not the healthiest, but actually in a situation where you can't prepare yourself any food, they are a good idea. You know, even just the practicalities of going shopping, if I couldn't, if, if my husband wasn't going shopping or if we didn't get an online shop, for example, how would I get food in? So I know lots of people, you know, did avail of the online shopping, which was fantastic, But I know that lots of people have tried to go to a supermarket and just really struggled to get through a couple of aisles because they're fatigued or um, just being absolutely overwhelmed with being outside, you know, after having COVID. Um, And batch cooking is another thing that I know we did a bit of, which was really helpful because, say, if my husband was working during the day, he couldn't maybe prepare me a lunch that I wanted to eat. So I would just take out. A meal from the freezer and defrost that, and have a really good nourishing meal in the middle of the day, which often was 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 better than me just kind of having a a slice of toast because that's all I could prepare. And once I did start to come back to to preparing and cooking meals, which I do enjoy myself, I did still need to manage what, how, and when I was doing that. So I would only do it on a day where. I knew that I had the energy and I would choose a day where I wasn't doing anything else so that I had the energy to do it. So kind of pacing myself throughout that day. And, um, I would use my, the my tall, um, island seat, you know, and I'd move that over. I'd either chop my vegetables and sit down at the table. And then even if I was like at the stove for a while, I would sit down on a high chair and, um, to just to reserve energy because I, I wouldn't be able to stand for very long as well. So, there's lots of things and advice we can give to people around the practicalities of it, um, depending on their symptoms.
0: And um, obviously, over the last year, there's been um, a lot of emerging research and theories around nutrition and long
1: COVID. Are you able to talk us uh, through that a little bit more? Yes, yeah, so. Having been through long COVID, obviously, I was researching anything that might help my symptoms. And I started to read a lot about histamine intolerance. um, And this came up quite a lot in the Facebook groups. And then a couple of doctors started to actually talk about it and start recommending it as a kind of a, a treatment for long COVID. And the reason being is because they are suggesting Um, And again, I don't think this has been proven yet that long COVID is a form of mast cell activation syndrome where the histamine levels in our body are too high. Hence, why some of the doctors have been recommending um, a low histamine diet. And unfortunately, there's not a huge amount of evidence, but we are seeing anecdotal evidence. And there has been lots of surveys of people improving um, after following this diet. Now, it's a very tricky diet to to follow in the sense of it's very restrictive. um, It's kind time consuming. It can even be expensive. And I think the message really is that as dietitians, we need to support people if that's what they choose to do, even if the evidence isn't there, because as long covid patients and like myself you know you're desperate to to improve your health you're desperate to try anything especially when other conventional treatments aren't working for you or where you're maybe not getting support um from from other you know medics so it's, it's it is something to be aware of and hopefully um there will be more research into it soon I know I'm trying to uh, do some work and um, with the food allergy group of the BDA trying to just get a survey going for dietitians just to see you know who's been working with clients what, what's what been happening have they been responding well to a low histamine diet so hopefully we'll we'll know a little bit more soon on that.
0: Yes the information that's coming out and the research that's coming out about histamine intolerance is is really interesting and I look forward to some more clarification from the british dietetic association on that elaine do you also know that there's obviously been uh, theories about high dose supplementation of various vitamins mm-hmm. and minerals is there much evidence behind no that? again
1: it's, a, it's another thing that's been recommended high doses vitamin d or vitamin c and niacin as well, um, which is one of the B vitamins, are being recommended by some of the consultants and doctors. And again, we don't have a huge amount of evidence regarding that. But I think as dietitians, we need to look at what the evidence, if there is any, and just make sure it's safe for people. So working on an individual basis and not kind of recommending anything as a blanket for anybody in particular. Um, some of the dosages like for selenium I think that is being recommended is perfectly fine and safe but you know you might not need to take a selenium supplement if if you can have a couple of Brazil nuts a day you know little things like that that dietitians can kind of help with and um, kind of clarify for people as well and then there's also been some work that I need to do more research into like around the anti-inflammatory diets and even fasting and things um, post-COVID. So, you know, watch this space. We'll have to see what research comes out on those as well. Wow, brilliant.
0: So how can, how can we support our clients and patients in rehabilitation or those with complex medical needs who might have long COVID? I
1: think, yeah, we, we definitely need to make sure that we are identifying it because I think some of the symptoms of long COVID might cross over with complex medical uh, problems and we need to assume that it could be a problem if someone has COVID or maybe was um, exposed to COVID it might not be an issue but we certainly need to check and make sure that it's it's not um, something that is causing their symptoms we need to as we do with any patient look at them you know holistically and make sure it's a multidisciplinary approach, um, you know, working as a team, because every, every discipline has a role to play in any sort of rehab, and um, whether it's long COVID or, you know, neurorehabilitation. And hopefully that we, you know, from, from all of this we'll gain more of an understanding into other conditions as well. So things like chronic fatigue syndrome and ME we we might be able to improve and and help with the research around those conditions as well which i think have been forgotten about or not well supported in the past and hopefully long covid will raise awareness of those those conditions as well because some of the symptoms are very similar too
0: yeah absolutely it's um hopefully some some good will come from this time in terms of the research and our mm. understanding of of these other yeah. conditions So for us as healthcare professionals, what advice and support can we give for people with uh, long COVID? So uh,
1: some of the things, obviously, I've kind of mentioned from a personal point of view, um, but in terms of, you know, working within a team, dietitians can can help support, for example, in a long COVID clinic, you know, the rehabilitation of somebody and making sure that they're having enough energy in their diet following and you know their own individualized dietary pattern and because everybody is so different and everyone will have different nutrition needs and if someone doesn't have enough energy for example for rehab for rehab then they're not going to do very well so we need to be involved in these kind of multidisciplinary centers and hopefully we'll see more dietitians working in long COVID in the future. So we also need to consider um, that we need to listen to the patients as well, and um, you know, even if we don't have the evidence, we still need to to look at the person as an individual and um, consider, you know, whatever the age of the person as well. So long COVID can affect any age. I know we're hearing a lot of 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 um, evidence to suggest that it is kind of between the ages of like 25 and 60 I think you know but it will affect older people too and also it's going it is affecting children which is really sad and I've seen a lot of stories about children who are are ill maybe 11 months after contracting COVID so we definitely need to raise awareness about that as well. And obviously as we start to return to our
0: workplace uh, we're going to see increasingly become aware of colleagues suffering with long COVID um, how can we as healthcare professionals, as colleagues and as managers support those in the workplace at this time?
1: Well, yeah, luckily I've seen, you know, there is quite a bit of this in, in the media at the moment around how, you know, people with long COVID are maybe having to get back to the office now. They been, it might have been easier for them to manage their symptoms at home. I know for me, being able to work from home has been an absolute godsend because i can you know manage my symptoms a lot better i'm I'm moving a lot slower around the house so you know i'm not getting the palpitations as much and i'm making sure that i drink enough fluid and um you know eating well as well whereas i think if people are going back into the office they're going to be obviously need to be more aware of their symptoms and hopefully their managers and the workplaces can help support them in that way whether it's with pacing or a phased return and um, hopefully that you know they they will be okay to do that but I know I know I've heard of and I know several people who've tried to get back to work and it's it's not it's not gone very well so we do need to support these people
0: And I know, Elaine, you're involved in doing well-being workshops and webinars. Um, Would you like to just
1: talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so before COVID, I was was doing some freelance work with workplace well-being. So working with companies trying to improve the nutrition of their employees and improve the health of their employees through nutrition. Um, So working with them, whether it was uh, as one-to-one basis with their employees, um, doing kind of uh, nutrition clinics, or um, working with them on on webinars tailored to the specific company and looking at kind of outcomes from that as well. So knowing that you know people have learned and and doing evaluations as well of of any well being uh, interventions. And I think from a, a long COVID point of view, you know maybe there needs to be a bit more awareness raised around workplace well being and and long COVID patients as well because I think. You know, once everyone gets back to work and hopefully the restrictions are lifted, I think long COVID patients are going to get left behind. And they're, you know, unfortunately still dealing with their symptoms whilst life goes on for, for many people as well. So it's definitely something that, you know, I, I hope I can help support companies with if they need that and um, from a nutrition point of view as well. And yeah, just re- keep raising awareness throughout, throughout companies as well and, and in the
0: workplace. And you've recently done um, a podcast with the Long Covid Physio yeah. podcast about your experience of, of Covid and I notice on there there's um, a lot of stories about from other people as well um, uh,
1: who've had Long Covid and that seems a really key area to raise. Awareness yeah I think it's amazing to see so many people sharing their stories and I think it's really helping to, to kind of raise awareness of long COVID and um, the long COVID physio website is also a really good resource for people um, particularly who are struggling with things like fatigue and, and breathing problems and for healthcare professionals as well you know I think even now there's a lot of healthcare professionals who aren't um, maybe confident in, in, in knowing what to do with long COVID patients and that's another thing that I'm hoping to do is raise awareness amongst healthcare professionals as well.
0: Brilliant, so important. Well, thank you so much, Elaine, for joining us today and sharing your personal experience. And I know it's quite an emotional one for you too. And, and I think you know sharing some of the emerging research that's coming out from a dietitian's perspective is just so important to move this area forward. I think we might need to do a follow-on podcast as the uh, research emerges in this area. Yeah, that's
1: that absolutely definitely. I hope you know that we can we can chat again. Maybe we might know a little bit more about any any of the nutrition research coming out um around this so that would be great yeah
0: brilliant um so thank you very much for listening um and if you'd like to know more about nutrition and rehabilitation or if you'd like more information about the well-being workshops or webinars discussed in this podcast then please do contact us on admin at redpeppernutrition.com or head over to our website at redpeppernutrition.com